Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and today I'm doing a little bit of different of an episode. I'm actually going to address something that United Healthcare uh, Medicare Advantage Plan recently did. It made the New York Times, and it has a lot of questions for me, which is why I want to talk about it, because there's so many ramifications around it with the flu and with coronavirus. So recently, New York Times reported, and I confirmed this from some other friends of mine whose parents got these, United Healthcare's Medicare Advantage plan sent out coronavirus tests and Tamiflu, as well as a thermometer, to a lot of their at-risk patients, if you will. In fact, they sent these kits with Tamiflu and the COVID test to roughly 200,000 of their patients who were considered high risk or uh, likely to get coronavirus. Of that, it looks like that they have 5 million patients who are on their Medicare Advantage plans. So there's a huge potential here if people sign up for this, kind of what that could do for some of the drug supply of Tamiflu and some of these at-home COVID tests. That's just an astronomical number if you think 5 million in terms of what can cause some back orders and things like that. And the weird thing was is that they were promoting this to sign up. This wasn't like you had to go dig for it type of thing, and they still sent out roughly 200000 I did read that this will be no charge to the patient, not free, but no charge, as long as they use their digital health platform or get it uh, approved through some sort of physician that way. But I did see that it doesn't say what happens if they don't do that. So it looks like this could be a case where they're actually charged for getting the medication, whether they, I don't want to say necessarily didn't want it or not, but because they obviously signed up for it here. But this was prescribed from a physician at United Healthcare with a standing order and just kind of blanket sent out. This worries me because if I was a primary care provider, one, they don't, they're not necessarily notified of it from what I could see. There was no note of that. Their primary pharmacy wasn't notified of it, so there's potential for drug interactions there. I don't see where anything about urgent cares were really forewarned about this, that they should ask people to have it at home or not. So this could make a huge issue for just kind of the continuity of care for patients, which is one of one of my main worries when I see something like this is just automatically sent out because although it says they won't be charged if as long as they do the online telehealth uh, visit, I do worry that people might not get sick, give it to friends who could have it and possibly have renal impairment, whether these patients do or not. It didn't make clear in the article, but people do share medication and that could be a huge issue here because although the box is taped closed and says, you know, do not open except under order of physician, I mean, come on, it's a simple box with a piece of not even duct tape that's holding it closed. So I think that could be a huge issue. One thing I started to think about when I saw this was I thought this was a hell of an advertisement for United Healthcare to really kind of push their digital online in-house services, if you will. And we're talking about doing this in the Medicare uh, Part D enrollment period. So this could be a huge advertisement if people's friends start seeing this and kind of depending on how the markets get hit, what penetration rate, when they start having more and more people sign up for it because... They're seeing their friends got this and they want that. So I'm, I'm a little worried that this could have some advertising issues, maybe just by word of mouth or anything else, that is really going to drive people to United Healthcare, which it makes sense as a business model, to be honest with you. But as a healthcare idea, I think it's not exactly the, uh, the best way to necessarily do this. And again, the billing issue to me is just huge because who knows what these people are going to get charged if they don't have that note? Are they going to get charged if they don't use it? Are they going to have to return it? Every year, it seems like if there's a bad flu year, we see Tamiflu or Oseltamivir go on back order in any number of formulations. And sometimes it's the liquid for kids. Sometimes it's the 75 milligram dose for adults. And then there's even a dose for renal impairment, which usually doesn't go on back order. But 
I'm wondering if that was sent to people who were quote unquote in the high risk age or high risk bracket for this one. It didn't mention necessarily uh, if they were using this for prevention since it can be used for up to 10 days, taking one capsule a day. I thought that was an interesting theory someone threw out there on Facebook that, hey, this could really, uh, you'd be used to prevent it, but obviously it's only 10 days worth if you were exposed. It's not the full 90 days of winter or longer into the early spring, which is when our flu season goes through. Um, yeah, so I'd be really worried about this for a number of reasons, but I think this really begs that pharmacists need to be able to do rapid flu tests since I think it's like 90% of people live within five miles of a pharmacy. That's just something I think that we could really, really use at a time like this to help keep people out of the ERs from spreading things like this. And we can set up those forms of communication to send it to their primary care providers. I don't see that being done with the way that this is currently set up just because it's really just sent out there and it's kind of like, hey, take this and you mail it in. But, you know, make sure you wait to do the telehealth visit first, which I'm not 100% certain a lot everyone's going to do. We all see issues with people just taking regular tests and medication, whether it be drug adherence. And I know I've seen people that even though I'm telling them doing a COVID test to swab their nose and showing them physically with a uh, swab in my hand, they still do it wrong. I see them swab their mouth. I one person try and swab their ear. It was pretty interesting when it comes to seeing how people use some of these uh, coronavirus tests, even though you're sitting there telling them. And I also wonder what type of precedent this sets by just mailing out an antiviral medication like Tamiflu to patients. And I'm saying Tamiflu because the generic name is just very tricky to try and say in a podcast. So um, I just wonder what bar is being set here just because are we just going to start mailing out other medications? Are we going to start sending out Z-packs every, you know, flu season or every time the, you know, pneumonia season kind of starts coming around? What about Cipro for people who, you know, chronically have, you know, UTIs? Are we just going to mail out to them from the from the health insurance company, not from their doctors? I mean, antihistamines have enough issues over, over the counter in these high-risk populations with falls and uh, eye issues or, you know, cl- uh, glaucoma, things like that. So I, I really wonder where we're setting the bar like this with as an insurance company by mailing this out. I do feel that this was probably done with the best of intentions. I'm not going to say that there is anything malicious with this. There could be a little bit far of just trying to drive business and advertising that could be more business end, but I don't necessarily disagree with marketing your services. I do wonder, though, if this is one of those the road to hell is paved with good intentions of if this is like a step too far when it comes to some of these things. Just because we're, you know, this could cause a back order for other people. Now you just prioritized certain groups of people over everyone else who might not even get sick because they're, you know, staying shut in and they're being respectful of the distances. They're wearing their mask and doing all those things to help minimize their chance of getting it. I just think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. It's kind of where the bar is set for this. And I wonder what type of legal issues this sets up because I know as a pharmacist, so many times people call me and say, well, I was sent this in the mail and I have this or you know, I got this, but I, I don't have a you know valid internet connection of some sort or to do a telehealth visit or a smartphone. So as a pharmacist, am I going to be you know legally responsible if I tell them, yeah, go ahead and take that, all your signs point that way, but I don't want you to go to the ER to risk of spreading COVID or, or the flu. I just think this really makes for an interesting, interesting discussion. I'm going to have a follow-up episode out later this week where I interviewed a physician about what he thinks about pharmacists even doing flu tests. So be on the lookout for that. I just thought this was one to kind of get out there. And I really thought underscored the reason why we need to be doing things like flu tests in pharmacies, the rapid flu tests, rapid COVID tests, things like that, and why we really need to be utilized better as healthcare professionals. So thanks for everyone for listening. Go look it up. I'll put the link in for the New York Times article in the show notes and also put a link for the Facebook group that kind of started this discussion. Also, uh, shout out to Aaron Alberts, who brought this to my attention, fellow podcaster and previous uh, guest on the podcast. She brought this up because her parents were involved with this, and 
she's also driving a podcast on this. So I hope that we can kind of all kind look at this from different angles and show some of the issues that could arise with things like this or show some of the benefits as well. If maybe I'm looking at this completely wrong, but as always, thanks for listening to the political pharmacist podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics. Thank you.